Welcome to 7-Minute Torah, an exploration of the weekly Torah portion. I'm Rabbi Micah Streifer. This podcast consists of about 7 to 10 minutes on the weekly parasha, hence the name 7-Minute Torah. Some weeks it's just me, and other weeks I'm in conversation with another rabbi or a Jewish thought leader. Thanks for listening. Alright, we are reading this week from Achre Mot. It is Leviticus chapters 16, 17, and 18. And this week's Parsha, of course, since it's the end of April, beginning of May, is about Yom Kippur. Why are we talking about Yom Kippur in the middle of springtime? Well, there are a couple reasons. First of all, the weekly Torah cycle does not follow the holidays. We read about the Exodus back in January, not on Pesach. We read about Yom Kippur now in April. And we read about the giving of the Torah at Sinai four months before the holiday of Shavuot, which is coming up in about a month. The weekly Torah cycle is not based on the holidays or the things that we celebrate on the holidays. It's based entirely on beginning and ending the Torah at Simchat Torah, the festival of the rejoicing of Torah, which falls sometime in September or early October. So as we make our way through the Torah, we read about a lot of important things that may or may not relate to what's going on this time of year. That's exactly why, when a holiday does come, we take time out from the Parsha cycle in order to read about that holiday, as we did last week on Pesach, and as we'll do again next month on Shavuot. The second reason that we're reading about Yom Kippur this week is because Yom Kippur, at least as it's outlined in the Torah, is a Levitical matter, a priestly matter. And of course, we're reading the book of Leviticus, which is largely the book of instructions and descriptions of the ways that the priests operated in ancient Israel. In a minute, I'll read and describe for you a bit of what the Parsha says, and we can see just how Levitical, just how priestly Yom Kippur is in the Torah. But first, why is this Parsha called Akare Mot? Akare Mot means after the death, and it refers back to something that happened, believe it or not, about five weeks ago in the Torah. Now, for the last two weeks, we've been reading about Pesach, which makes it a little bit hard to remember where we left off when we last read Leviticus three weeks ago. The answer is that we were reading Metzorah and before that Tazriah, which are both parshiot about scaly skin disease and mold and things like that. Before that, in Shmini, we read about the death of Aaron's two sons, Nadav and Avihu. Aaron is, of course, the high priest. His sons, Nadav and Avihu, offer what's called in Hebrew, strange fire, esh zara, and they die in trying to offer this sacrifice. If you want to hear more about that, you can go back and listen to the podcast from March 22nd on Shmini. But at any rate, that's pretty much the last thing that happened before we took an extended break to read about scaly skin disease, mold, and Passover, which is why this parsha is called Achare Mot, after the death. And it starts with these words, The Eternal spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron. So the Torah will go on in this parsha to describe the correct or proper priestly way to do a number of things, 
presumably in response to the fact that Nadav and Avihu did their sacrifice in an improper way back in Shmini. And the things that the Torah instructs on here are Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, some laws of eating, and some laws of sexuality. We can't get too deeply into all of that because there's a ton to talk about, so we'll focus for a few minutes on Yom Kippur. Here's how the Torah describes the Day of Atonement. It says, Aaron is to offer his own bull of purification offering to make expiation for himself and his household. So the high priest offers a sacrifice first to expiate his own sins, and then a sacrifice to expiate the sins of the entire people. Then it says, Aaron shall place lots upon two goats, one marked for the eternal and one marked for Azazel. Now you may be asking yourself several questions. What are goats doing here? Why are they placing lots on them? And what is Azazel? And the answers to those questions are, number one, the goats are here for a very strange ritual whereby one of them will be sacrificed to God and the other one will have the sins of the people placed upon it by lot, which answers question number two. And then it'll be sent out into the wilderness, taking the sins of the people with it. And what is Azazel? Well, maybe it was the name of a demon of some kind that was supposed to take the sins away. Nobody exactly knows. But either way, this goat was meant to carry the sins of the people out into the wilderness with them, and in so doing, atone for the entire people on this day of atonement. You may have realized in the course of listening that this ceremony is the origin of the term scapegoat. This is a scapegoating ceremony. Literally, the goat escapes and it carries the people's wrongs out with it. So we can get a sense from listening to this of why Yom Kippur would fall here in the book of Leviticus, because it is so incredibly Levitical. This sounds very little like the Yom Kippur that we might know. And instead, it sounds like a day of sacrifice and purging of the shrine and of priestly expiation of the sins of the people. But there is one little element in this parsha that sounds an awful lot like what we do. So I'm going to read that as well. This is Leviticus chapter 16, verse 29. After this extended chapter-long description of the Yom Kippur sacrifices and the purging of the shrine and the scapegoating, it says... This shall be a law for all time. In the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall practice self-denial or afflict yourself, and you shall do no manner of work. So this is the Torah's description of what the rest of the people are doing while the priest is busy with his sacrifices and his scapegoating. And the answer is that they are resting, as you do on a Sabbath, which is a sign of honor and respect and holiness. And they are practicing some kind of self-denial, which the Talmud later interprets to be about fasting. So it turns out that Yom Kippur, although it's changed quite a bit, still includes some of the original ancient elements. The idea of Yom Kippur as a Shabbat Shabbaton, a Sabbath of complete rest, where you focus on nothing but the holy, and the idea of it as a day of self-denial or fasting, which as well is intended to help you focus on the work of expiation, the work of atonement. 
these are really ancient practices that have been a part of Judaism for a very, very long time. The difference between our Yom Kippur and the one that's described here is that ours no longer contains any of these priestly elements. No more sacrifice, no more scapegoating, no more purging of the shrine. That's, of course, in part because we don't have the temple in Jerusalem and we don't have the priesthood, but in part because there's been a shift in Judaism in the last 2,000 years away from a top-down form of religion where somebody else expiates your sins for you and toward something that's much more about you and your practice and your ritual and your work. So Yom Kippur today is not a day where some priest makes a sacrifice to atone for us, but rather a day where we do the work of atoning for ourselves. And of course, we do that through rest and fasting for those who are able to fast. And we do it as well through the process of tshuva, of considering your actions, how you've been in the last year and how you'd like to be in the coming year. And while that work is often specifically tied to Yom Kippur, it's actually the kind of work that we can do every single day of our lives. And in that sense, this Parsha is appropriate for now. We could read it in April, we could read it in September, we could read it anytime. Because every day, every moment, is the right time to be striving to be our best selves. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to 7-Minute Torah. Have you checked out the conversation in our Facebook group? Just go to Facebook and search 7-Minute Torah, Listen and Discuss. Then you can join the group and join the conversation. See you there.